Hi, you are listening to Celestial Vibes podcast, presented by Ashwin from India. This is the episode ninth of Celestial Vibes podcast, and welcome back, Fernando. Nice to see you again, my friend Ashwin. How are you today? Uh, it's okay. After a long day's work, and I'm back to do what I really love to do. No pain, no gain. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So uh, th- this episode is an inspiration. Like I wanted to do an inspiration. Uh, like I was inspired to do this episode because you gave an article based on planetary dignity from Vedic astrology point of view for the magazine issue September, October two thousand eighteen, and uh, I was pretty imp- impressed by the way you categorized the uh, dignity of planets. and uh, it sounded so uh, rational even though maybe some of those uh, classical texts such as brihat prashara hor shastra and they did not explicitly give these are the dignities of the planets but they have given so many dignities of the planets but the way you have done it like splitting uh, six favorable and three not so desirable or favorable dignities of planets so i thought we we would explore more because uh, an article is like uh, even though we don't like uh, like to limit ourselves while writing somehow the limits turn up so i thought we should actually do a, a decently long podcast episode to explore more about planetary dignity in vedic astrology point of view and uh, i'm kind of excited to do about this show because um uh, now that i'm also exploring uh, western astrology i find the dignity of planets really very important in terms of uh, like judging the manifestation of a particular planet with reference to the timing period let me tell you something i believe planetary dignity is the most important astrological technique uh, an astrologer can use i mean it's it's not the most important because it's the most powerful or is because it's the most uh, intriguing it's the most important because it's the most basic yeah and and let me tell you something and this is something that uh, some other astrologers have said before especially in k and rao books uh, he he mentions that there's a big problem uh, with the uh the idea that there's not a regulatory body that uh regulates the profession of astrology and anyone can become an astrologer today i mean that's something i was talking to another astrologer the other day that today anyone can say i'm an astrologer and so on and so forth and okay cool that's that's great but you know uh, as time goes by you see who 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 stays on the race and who drops out and one of the factors that's going to determine who stays in the race as a professional is his ability to do a good job and that has def- different uh components and one of those components is the technique astrology as a technique is something that has to be learned and has to be taught okay and i i have a a, a i have a pedagogical uh predisposition in terms of uh trying to teach uh, other people astrology vedic astrology uh through my channel and through the videos I do in Spanish and for me planetary dignity is the first step 
I mean, once you have an idea of what the Rashis are, what the planets are, what the houses are, okay, you can, you can learn that. That's just memorization. But in terms of going forward, the first step you have to know and know by heart is planetary dignity. And I mean, it's the basic ABCs. It's like learning to write, learning to read. And uh, I mean, uh, you need to know this to know the technique correctly. And this is something that most astrologers know. I'm not saying a lot of people don't know it, but there's, this is something that most astrologers just, just, just uh, it's something else, you know. But it is, a, for me, uh, the basic first step in order to start reading charts, in order to uh, learn more complicated techniques, and in order to uh, become a better astrologer. And let me tell you something. I uh, do MMA. I, I practice Muay Thai and I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And when you fight, and I take this as an analogy to uh, expand on this explanation, when you train, you stick to basics. And when you fight, you stick to basics. Because if you don't stick to basics, you're going to do something stupid and you're going to get knocked out. And I believe you can apply this to astrology. You stick to basics and you're going to do a good job. Because when I used to train, uh, my coach would say, don't, and can I say bad words in this podcast? I can say that, right? He, 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 he would tell me, don't do that Peter Pan shit. And what Peter Pan shit is to do like a flying kick or like a back, backwards uh, 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 elbow. And that would be the equivalent of, of you know, go, going and doing a reading and doing the Sashti Yamsha without doing rectification or, you know, doing some sort of uh, neo-Vedic stuff using the trans-Saturnian planets with the Vedic techniques and, you know, without having a frame of reference. Well, that's the same thing that goes on here. You have to stick to your jabs, your hooks, your straights, your tips, your legs, your grips, and you got to master that. Master the basics and you will become a master. And in astrology, if you master planetary dignity, you will become eventually in 20, 30, 40 years, a very good master at it. And let me tell you, planetary dignity uh, is essential in the technical part for astrology, as I said. Intuitive part, that's another thing that we're not going to discuss here because that's the basic part of the art of astrology. We're talking here about the science. Okay. Astronomy is another aspect. Uh, uh, people skills is another aspect. But in terms of technical skills, stick to the basics and stick to planetary dignity because reading a chart, you need technical uh, expertise. Okay. And reading a chart is like reading music. And when you practice music, if you sit on a piano or you start with a flute, you know, the teacher is going to put you to do scales, you know, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, si, do, and all that things. Well, planetary dignity is the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, si, do, or the ABCs of astrology. And you have to start there. And I mean, you can stay there forever. You can stay in planetary dignity for 30, 20 years. I mean, I haven't been practicing that long, but I guess it's something that you have to reinforce and practice and practice and practice and you know, it's something that I believe is not giving the necessary attention sometimes by some astrologers. Okay, the part of the issue is here, like so many, uh, like we tend to get too much, uh, like carried away about the complicated and deeper and advanced stuff, thereby 
we even tend to forget the planetary dignity which is actually the most basic thing so like for example let's say if mercury is debilitated in the fifth house for a scorpio ascendant so mercury is possibly not in its best dignity so uh, and it's a, and it's a functional malefic for for a scorpio like yeah yeah uh, and uh, the problem here is that the astrologer uh, sometimes tend to actually miss that mercury is actually debilitated okay so this uh, i am i'm particularly pointing out this example because i've seen an astrologer do this i've seen an ast- seen an astrologer do this and uh, if you don't take dignity into consideration you might totally misinterpret the chart and you might totally misinterpret the deeds that the particular planet has to offer and uh, if a planet is not really in a good dignity the the, uh, the planet that uh, the lordships and everything will get uh, impacted influenced in not necessarily good manner so i don't i don't mean to say that debilitated planets are bad or something like that but they can be hard in terms of uh, realizing things so uh, mercury in pisces is uh, uh, could be like you digesting or interpreting uh, logic or rational rational sense could be a bit difficult than what it tends to be for other people so those are those are basically the areas where we need to work on it's not a, a big deal where if mercury is debilitated in the fifth house or not mercury if any planet is debilitated it doesn't really mean that uh, that's entirely bad it just means that we need to work much more harder uh, in the areas that the particular planet signifies which are directly or indirectly related to our karmic patterns definitely and dignity is like a great system uh you know i, I want to go step by step but dignity is is a great system and in order for example if we take mercury debilitated in the first 15 degrees of mina rashi pisces for a scorpio lagna that would be a functional malefic because it rules the 11th which is a trichadaya house and the 8th which is an impressionable house but it is uh if it's associated with a trichadaya it's really bad and in the fifth house it's it's really bad i mean uh but that's the first step <laughs> and that's why you need to 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 know dignity because afterwards there come more advanced techniques like nichabanga uh like ob and one uh, one technique that n- many people seem to underestimate uh which is uchabanga people you know pay too much attention to nichabanga but which uh, which is cancellation of debilitation Uh, but a lot of people don't pay attention to uchavanga sometimes which is cancellation of exaltation and you obviously have more advanced techniques like nagitalia vashtas which are the psychological impressions of how planets influence other planets obviously bimchopakavala uh, which is strength based on uh, the vargas uh, you also have uh, shadvala the six uh, form strength and uh, besides that you also have uh, i mean you you could use digbala which is part of of shadbala but all of those techniques all of them start with dignity and yeah. if you don't know dignity you're going to screw up and i mean for example let's let's take uh, that mercury you just mentioned in the fifth uh, 11th 8th lord for a scorpio like is it bad is it good i mean the first step you have to know is the dignity The second step is how it is related to the chart. But if you don't start correctly with that first step, you can misjudge that planet. 
And let me tell you something, a debilitated planet from the get-go is not necessarily bad, and uh, an exalted planet from the get-go is not, not necessarily, necessarily good. good. And you start doing that with dignity, man. And I mean, I'm a very big proponent of, you know, uh, having an organism that regulates astrology as all, as some countries have them to regulate law, to regulate medicine, to regulate architecture, engineering, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, we all learn the craft from different people in different ways, and that's not bad. But I think that the basics should be homogeneous all over the place. And, and you know, and, and, and you, see, you see that sometimes uh, the basics are not homogeneous. Uh, and, and I mean, it doesn't have to be with dignity, but for example, like, and this is something that confused me a lot. And, and to be honest with you, still confuses me a little bit. Uh, the idea that when, uh, there's an exalted planet that is, um, functional malefic, would that mean that the malefic aspects of the chart will express themselves more strongly? Or does it mean that the malefic aspects of a chart will express themselves in a better way? And at the same time. Uh, and a debilitated functional malefic, would that mean that the malefic aspects of the chart will express themselves in a more negative way? Or will it mean that the malefic aspects of a chart will express themselves without strength and hence they will not affect the yataka? I mean, and there's a lot of debate in that, in that simple statement I just said. Yeah, Some astrologers I... will tell you it, it, one thing and other astrologers will tell you other things. And, and that's a very big problem in terms of how we uh, teach dignity. I'm sorry, you were saying? No. Uh, yeah, as you said, there are different schools of thoughts uh, with regard to like what you said. But uh, I work on a regular principle like if a particular planet is a functional malik to an ascendant or a lagna, um, it is actually good to have that particular planet uh, in a weak dignity, in a weaker dignity. That's what logic states. That's what I do also. So, so that what happens is uh, that planet doesn't have the power to rise in order to uh, bring out the manifestations of its own lordship, like uh, be it uh, Jupiter for uh, Taurus ascendant being the eighth lord and the eleventh lord. So, same case goes for the Scorpio ascendant, like Mercury being the eighth lord and the eleventh lord. So, if if these planets are actually in a weaker dignity, uh, I think these planets uh, tend to do lesser uh, harm. So let's not talk about how much good they're going to do, but let's say they do less harm. So exactly. likewise, uh, there is other, uh, there is another way where I use dignities. Like for a Taurus ascendant native, sun tends to be uh, like. That is a, a special significance for Taurus ascendants where both Sun and Saturn tend to be benefits, functional benefits. Like yes. Sun rules. Yoga Karka, Yoga Karka, Saturn. Yes. Yeah, and Sun also rules, uh, uh, rules an angular house, that is Kendrasthana, which is the fourth house. So, uh, interestingly, Sun becomes, uh, Sun and Saturn both become benefit for a particular ascendant. So, how uh, I tend to like interpret here is that even though sun is a functional benefit to that particular ascendant, sun is not uh, a friendly planet or a uh, mitru to the lot of the ascendant, which is Venus. Yeah. L so, let me tell. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. Continue. No. So uh, what I was trying to state here is 
the dignities, uh, the manifestations out of the particular dignity of sun here uh, tends to be different than what we can actually interpret because sun can also do uh, less harm when it is placed in 6, 8 or 12 and sun can also do benefits if it is uh, placed in other uh, houses and not necessarily that sun is necessarily bad in 6, 8 or 12. So uh, that's uh, there are a little bit of nuances that we can get into the planetary dignities but I think we should again fall back to the basics of planetary dignity like where uh, you stated the uh, uh, exaltation uh, friendly domicile and uh, you, you kind of uh, bifurcated or categorized those uh, oh, favorable yeah. unfavorable lists into six and three so yes, I yes. We, should, we should we should actually pitch into that and we can explore a bit more uh, but I wanted to tell you another another nuance sure, another, sure, sure. another another thing that that really bubbles my mind exalted Pisces for a uh, I'm sorry exalted Venus for a Pisces Lagna okay it, it rules the third and the eighth third and the eighth and it, yes. and it's in Lagna and okay, it's exalted yeah. See, that, I mean, I mean that that's gonna be a really. I mean, I I've always wanted to meet someone with that, because that and alone, and and, and I don't mean with with anything, you know, uh, uh, spoiling that that yoga. Uh, the thing is that how would that manifest? I mean, Venus is in Lagna, is in the body, the third and the eighth, which is a functional malefic. I mean, is this gonna be a beautiful person that's gonna be very sick? Or is this going to be like a very beautiful person that has a lot of trouble with, with how they express themselves, their brothers? I mean, and, and, and that's where dignity comes in, where you have to uh, know the basics to analyze a chart correctly. Because this is probably one case where an exalted planet will probably not be that good. Yeah, and I think I have a, uh, I think I have a, like, uh, style of how to interpret this particular thing. It's interesting that you brought this up. But let's say, uh, it, uh, I stick to even more basic thing that is, a planet doesn't shed its natural, uh, like, uh, what, its natural self. So, for example, Jupiter is Jupiter wherever it is placed and whatever house it rules. So, so, so same goes with Venus. Venus is Venus and Venus exhibits the Venusian qualities in a person when it is placed in Lagna and if it is exalted those qualities of Venus will be a bit more uh, than usual but in this case since Venus rules the third and the eighth house which are the functional malefic houses for Mina Lagna that is Pisces uh, rising uh, so let's talk about the eighth house so eighth house matters deal with uh, I'll talk about positive stuff, let's leave the negative stuff. So, uh, we, I mean, we'll come back to the negative stuff. So, uh, eighth house. Eight and third, he's, he, he or she is gonna inherit uh, uh, things and his or her brother is not a <laughs> younger brother. Yeah. I mean, that's an example, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 that's, that's and the person is going to be good in terms of uh, like uh, occult senses or yes. Uh, yeah, like dealing with other other people's money because when second house is our money, eighth house is always going to be other people's money. So these people will be good in terms of handling the third and the eighth house deeds. But the the other side of the coin says that an exalted uh, uh, malefic uh, functional malefic lord will also bring hardships. Uh, like it could be either due to its placement 
or it could be due to its lordship. So let's say lordship, basically what eighth, the eighth lord does is bring about so much of hurdles. And, uh, and see, the, the other significant point here is that Venus is exalted. Venus is the eighth and third lord. So it also has the uh, strength in terms of its own dignity to cause troubles and hurdles as much as it is capable of doing good with its own planetary energy. Exactly. So uh, there is always two sides of the coin and I think it is important to uh, explore the planetary dignity and then fall back to malefic or uh, benefic nature based on the rising sign. And not only that, I mean, you start with dignity. Now, yeah. when you fall into these nuances, uh, like this Venus we said, like the Sun and Saturn you said for a Taurus Lagna, like the Mercury you said for a Scorpio Lagna, that's where you go to more advanced techniques. And if you don't have that solid base of dignity, it will all crumble down. And this is why basics is so important. When I used to fight, if you would do stupid things without doing the basics, you would get knocked out or you would get choked. That as, as a, this is a term for BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, and that's why you have to stick to basics in astrology because before you start talking about what the past life karma of a person is. You go to deeper Vargas, you know, like D60, D45. I mean, I mean, it's so unnecessarily, it's not so unnecessary when you can just do things a simple way. And, you know, I wanted to start with all this and how, how I, I use dignity. First of all, let's, let's dissect the question. What is dignity? Dignity The meaning is the quality of being worthy of honor or respect. Who's having the quality of having honor and respect? Is it me? Is it, is it you? No, it's the planet. And you got to remember, planets are the conscious aspects of God. They are the karmic momentum meters. Okay? These are the basic points in a chart by which the astrology extrapolates uh, the information that will, he will use along with the houses, along with the signs, along with aspects, along with Vargas and Dashas in Vedic astrology, to tell the Yataka, the Kundli, the costumer, the client, his or her past, present, and future. And dignity is the uh, quality of honor and respect in terms of a planet. And dignity, what gives to a planet? It gives rank, it gives praise, it gives status you either have dignity you are you you are are you are dignified or you are not dignified you either have rank praise and status or you don't have rank praise and status and when a planet has dignity positive dignity he's gonna be full with pride with comfort and delight and this is good okay especially if he rules positive aspects of a shark If he doesn't rule positive aspects of a chart, that is negative aspects of a chart, then probably we're going to have the situation you just said about the two sides of the coin. And we're not going to dwell into the negative aspects because we want to be positive. And at the same time, if a planet does not have dignity, it will not have pride, it will not have comfort, it will have delight, it will have discontent, it will have incapacity, it will have need. And if a planet rules the positive aspects of a chart that does not have dignity, then they're going to be 
lacks. There are going to be problems. There are going to be difficulties. But if that planet that does not have dignity rules a negative aspect of the chart, then these negative aspects will not have the ability to manifest themselves in the lives of the Jataka. That is, the, uh, if this planet rules sickness, then this person is not going to get sick easily. He's going to have a long life. If this planet rules ends, uh, the 12th house, that is, Alushtana, then this person is going to be very able to deal with end, deal with death, deal with the finalities in life, and so on and so forth. So we see that dignity is very important, as we have said before. And this is stipulated, in, as you said before, in Brihad Parashara Horashastra in chapter 3, which is very important to know the planets. I mean, that chapter is very, very important. And in that chapter, you get to uh, uh, see how uh, these uh, dignities start to develop. We're not going to talk about the technique of temporary friendships, permanent friendships, and the compound uh, relations in terms of interplanetary uh, relationships, because this is not the place to do that. We're simply going to say that this is very important for people to know, okay? And I believe it's also stipulated in other classics. I don't know if it's Saravali or Faradipika or both, but this is repeated once and once again and always at the beginning of these books because this is very important. And, you know, a person needs to know this in order to uh, execute a good astrological reading, I believe. Yeah, and uh, it's... It you said like in the third chapter of Brihad Parashara Horashastra, so so they start with benefics and malefics. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. And uh, benefics and malefics in a sense, not from the rising sign point of view, but the natural benefics and malefics uh, like of the particular, uh, like the, the, the uh, bifurcation of benefics and malefics in a natural sense, not from the rising sign point of view. So mm -hmm. it is Saturn, Mars, Rahu, Ketu, Sun, and uh, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, and uh, Moon. So it differs on waxing and waning Moon. So uh, where do you want to take this, Fernando? Now you want to get to the uh, oh yes, the, of course I, I want to get there because yeah. first of all we already know what planets are. It they are the conscious aspects of God, the karmic momentum meters. We know what dignity is, the quality of being worthy, of respect and honor, and we have spoken about the nuances. Now, uh, as you know, the classics are very dry, <laughs> like most books written uh, hundreds of years ago are. I mean, probably they were written before that. Who knows? That's for someone else to determine. But how can we uh, extrapolate this to modern times? And I have created some type of analogies for people to understand this. And one day I'm going to do some videos on it. And I'm going to do them in English and, and in Spanish, which is the, the language I use in my videos, for people to understand this because it's, it's a very, uh, it, 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 it lends itself to be very funny. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to make funny videos in the future about astrology because I think uh, uh, it could be good for, for the learning experience. And I also have a very strong Mercury, so yeah. But when uh, we talk about planetary dignity, what does it mean? Basically, what we use dignity for is to reveal the state of mind of a planet in terms of the space and the resources it has to fulfill its planetary agendas. 
And planets are like people. They have their uh, charms, they have their positives, their negatives, and they have a span, a span of life like we do in terms of dashas, in terms of how they mature through life. And, and planets are just like that. And, and, and if they have the tools they need to do their job, they're going to do a good job. And if they don't have the tools to have what they, if they don't have the tools to, to do the job they have to do, they're not going to do their job. They are either going to have pride, comfort, and delight to do their agendas, or they're going to be discontent, incapacitated, and needy, and they won't have the tools to, have, uh, to make their agendas work. Okay? So as you said, how many dignities do we have in Vedic astrology? One, 200, 20? No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We only have nine. It's very simple. Nine, nine planets. Navagraha right there. Nine, the sacred uh, number, the, on, the, the, the only number, the, the biggest number without two digits, or I mean, the biggest number, one, the biggest one-digit number. There we go. <laughs> the number and, of fortune. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the ninth house. And you see that we have nine dignities, and those are very simple dignities. You have six dignities that are positive and three dignities that are negative. Obviously, we have in order... The best, best, best position you can have is exaltation. The second best is mulatricona. The third best is swachetra. The fourth best is great friendship. The, the fifth one is uh, friendship. And the sixth is, is not necessarily good, but it's not necessarily that which is neutral. And these are the six dignities that everyone should have in their charts to have a good time in life before they die. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the, the three negative ones are uh, uh, enemy, which is bad, great enemy, which is even worse, and debilitation, which is even worse. And once again, I don't want people to be, you know, people who start uh, studying astrology, you, you reveal this knowledge and they might, you know, freak out because they might have uh, a bad dignity planet and they want to be, you know, reassured that this won't destroy their lives. Uh, and you have to be very delicate in how you, you explain this. At the same time, which doesn't happen a lot, when people see they have an exalted planet, they cheer and they, they do, uh, you know, they do a party, but that's not necessarily true either. We have to see the specters. We have to be very relative about these values because when we come to its applications, we see that it's more complicated than this. But... What I did is that I created some sort of analogy with each of these dignities, and I want to go through them uh, so people can understand. How can we understand what a dignified planet, uh, positively dignified planet is vis-a-vis -a, -vis a negatively dignified planet is? You have to create these analogies for people to understand. And basically, dignity is just a, a, a a combination of the aspect, a conscious aspect of God, which is the planet, and the unconscious planet, unconscious aspect of God, which are the signs or Rashis, and how they come together. Conscious, let's say it's a person, and the unconscious is a space, okay? I sometimes use this analogy in terms of that uh, uh, planets are like people, Rashis are like apartments, and the Zodiac is an apartment building. Or in other words, Uh, a planet is like a farmer, the Rashis are fields, and the Zodiac is a county. Or, another one, uh, you know, planets are like cooks, uh, Rashis are like ingredients, and the Zodiac is a supermarket, okay? 
So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. <really> interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, dignity-wise, I I created these scenarios to understand. Okay, I'm gonna go one by one so people can can understand. And I want people to visualize and imagine this because it's kind of funny in many ways. Exalted planet. An exalted planet is in its best possible place. Okay, an exalted planet is in the best place at the best moment. But remember, planet is a person, Rashi is a space. Where do planets get exalted? Do they get exalted in their own signs? No, they get exalted in other planets' uh, signs. So the planet is in the best place, in the best moment, in somebody else's uh, space. So in a way, an exalted planet has 100% energy to give positive results or 100% energy to give its results, okay? And it's going to be, it's going to feel excellent. So how can we translate this into an analogy? A person is in a good place and it feels great. An exalted planet is in a holiday. He is in a tropical beach with servants, with girls mass massaging his feet, with people bringing him uh, drinks. He has buffet. He has all-you-can-eat experiences. He plays bingo on the pool. He has everything he has. I mean, he has everything he wants. He's in the best place at the best moment. How are you going to feel if you are there? You're going to feel relaxed. You're going to feel empowered. You're going to feel happy if you enjoy that vacation, of course. And you're going to have the tools necessary to fulfill your planetary agendas. You're just going to write on your laptop some emails and some people are going to do the job for you. You're just going to do things. You're just going to order things and things are going to come to you. People are serving you. You are in a place where you are delighted, where you are feeling great. I mean, your body is being relaxed. You have the energy to do things and you feel happy. That's an exalted planet. He is in his holiday vacation. He is probably in the tropics, I don't know, in, in the Philippines. He's here in the Caribbean. He's in Hawaii. He's having the time of his life. Because remember, an exalted planet does not get exalted in its own Rashi, except obviously Mercury, which is an, an, an anomal, anomaly. Uh, but, you know, maybe Mercury gets his holiday. Uh, he has his own house in his backyard that he just uses from time to time. And, then, you know, it's, it's his crib. It is man's space or whatever. And he goes there and he leaves his house. And, well, Mercury is an exception, but whatever. So the planet is in a holiday. So here we have the best exaltation. Okay, so it's going to be in a good place. The planet is going to have the uh, tools to fulfill its planetary agendas. Now, the second best dignity is Mula Tricona. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, think, I, I think we can actually uh, like mention where a planet is exalted. Like each planet where it is exalted. Oh, of course. So that of it will be easier for if there, if there are any uh, like basic students who try and listen to this, maybe it will be useful for them. Of course, let's start with the sun. Where does the sun get exalted? It gets its deep debilitation, uh, I mean, deep exaltation in 10 degrees of Aries, Mecha. Okay, so we have the king. And what is Mecha? Mecha basically is hard to reach places, mountain tops, even volcanoes. The king is in the top of the world. Imagine like uh, the uh, uh, gods in their holy mountains. 
uh, he can see the realm. He can see all his expanse. Think about the Lion King when he tells Simba that, Mufasa tells Simba that, what's, what's his kingdom? Everything the sun can touch. They're seeing the expanse and the horizon. Uh, the king ex is exalted there also because Mesha is the head and the king has to be in the head to direct everything. And, you know, we can go on and on with analogies there. Yeah, yeah we, I think it's uh, easier to just mention where a planet is exalted. And the other reason why we can say that uh, Sun is exalted in Aries is that Mars is the commander and uh, Sun always feels good uh, in the east with Mars. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, with commanders surrounding, I think Sun is feeling safe and secured so that he can express himself much better than uh, usual. Yeah, definitely. Now, the moon, where does it get exalted? It gets exalted in the per first three degrees of Taurus, Brishava Rashi. And what's Brishava? Brishava is uh, the commune. It is the uh, village. Everybody's working. Everybody is, is farming. Everybody's picking up milk. Everybody's picking up fruit, vegetables. It's a very stable place. And the queen comes in. Very beautiful queen with a very beautiful surrounding and scenario. She's going to feel great there because there's stability there. The water energy of the moon is going to uh, fill with energy, the earth uh, aspect of Rishaba, of Taurus. And uh, she's going to look beautiful. Think about what the second sign is, is the face. So the moon is also the face. So you get there some synchronicity. And uh, she's going to feel good there because there's stability. Also, there is this mythological explanation that since uh, the favorite wife of the moon is in uh, Rohini is in Taurus, then the moon likes it there because it's one of the, it's the best of the 27 wives. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many explanations for it. Yeah, yeah. They, if, you, if you get into mythology, I think uh, that will become like... Uh, we won't yeah. be able to finish. Yeah. <laughs> there will yeah. be an end to Indian mythology with uh, reference to astrology. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and the moon, as you know, is a very impactful planet. It gets affected by who is the moon with, uh, the planets who are uh, uh, before and after, because it's the mind, exactly. And uh, the moon wants stability. And which is the most stable of all the signs? Taurus. Now, we go to Mars. Where does Mars get exalted? It gets exalted in Capricorn, getting its deep uh, exaltation in 28 Capricorn. The general goes to the marches. Marches, uh, 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 how do you say it in English? Uh, the mod, uh, where uh, Capricorn is basically marches. It's like the Everglades in Florida. Uh, it's swamps. There's a lot of work to be done there. There's a lot of things to be done there. And in a way, the general Mars, a pita planet, a tamasic planet, goes there to arrange, to construct, to drain the swamp, to start building things, to start uh, agriculture there. And also, in a way, Mars is a very uh, violent planet, as you know, and very unpredictable. So you can't give Mars all the tools, okay? You gotta give him a place where he has to build the tools so he can uh, use that to uh, uh, spend his time doing constructive things instead of destructive things. 
also Capricorn is the 10th house and uh, Mars is there to give orders. He has directional strength in the 10th house yeah. and he has the ability to command people there because he's not going to have a lot of competition in the swamp, but he is going to spend all his energy doing constructive things instead of doing destructive things. Oh, Mars is an engineer. Exactly. <laughs> so and what a better place than, than going to a place where we need uh, engineering jobs instead of doing uh, the war. And that's the thing. If you, if you see wars, which is also a significator of Mars, Mars. and Sagittarius, obviously, but, uh, when you do wars, what comes after the war? Peace. And what happens after peace? Reconstruction. And, and you destroy in order to reconstruct, which is very good for the economy. But you see that going on. I mean... It's a cycle. Uh, yeah, it's a cycle. And, and there are economic uh, uh, studies about it, ideologically driven, but it's part of it. Now, uh, now we come to the fourth planet, which is Mercury. Where does Mercury get exalted? Well, Mercury is a really w weird planet because it, it gets <laughs> it gets a, a Mulatricona, Swakshetra, and Ucha in the same sign, which is uh, Virgo, Kanja Rashi. And I mean, this is a tricky one because uh, he's the prince. And what is Virgo? Virgo are virgin spaces. Virgo is like beautiful greenery virgin places where little girls are or young women are. And what's uh, Mercury? The prince. So the prince is going to go where the young ladies are. He's going to feel great about it. I mean, he's going to have the ability to manage the kingdom because that's what uh, Mercury does from a bureaucratic point of view. He's going to have all his charisma, all his jokes, all his intelligence being appreciated by, by the curiosity of beautiful young women. And he is also going to feel good there. He's going to feel uh, uh, appreciated there to do his intellectual work and so on and so forth. That's how I can see it. Yeah. But Mercury, Mercury exalted is, is a tricky one using these analogies because it's the same place he is. I mean, and he gets Swakshetra, he gets Mulatricona there also. So, uh, uh, I mean, we can say yeah. that there are variant degrees of it. But, but yeah, yeah. What are you? What were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, I was just trying to say that Moon and Mercury are always uh, they always fall apart from the natural. Uh, oh, yeah. Things like father, like father, like son, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there is, I think it will be better explained in Mula Trigona where Mercury and Moon have a uh, like differentiation from the other planets. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. The other planet is Saturn is exalted in Libra. Oh, oh, oh I, I, I'm sorry. I was going, now we're going to uh, uh, Jupiter. Okay, Jupiter, what does, yeah. What does Jupiter get exalted? Well, the Brahman get gets exalted in cancer. cancer. And this is a very beautiful imagery. Cancer, what is cancer? Cancer is basically uh, places of water with, uh, easy, which are easily accessible, okay? We can think about a lot of places. We can talk, think about a beach. We can think, think about a pond. Uh, but it's basically, let's think about a little pond where you have a little garden, where you, where you have something very nice. Just think about all these sages that have uh, these little gardens like Japanese uh, 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 Shinto uh, priests. Uh, th that's where Jupiter gets exalted. And, and not only that, the Brahman is in Cancer where the emotions are very important. And uh, Cancer is like more or less the lesser of the water signs. I mean, the, the least 
uh, extrospective. I mean, they're all introspective, but cancer in a way is very emotional inwardly, but it's not so... uh, They all all are kind of difficult sometimes, but I think uh, cancer is, is the most, you know, manageable. Of course, cancer is also the most unpredictable sometimes, uh, and, and in a way, the Brahmin comes there and he uses that energy to uh, relate to other people. See, because Jupiter, the Brahman, sometimes people think that Brahmins tend to help other people. And no, not necessarily, unless it's exalted, uh, because what they do is they study, they, they teach, uh, they pray, they do their pujas and so on and so forth. But in cancer, I think they're more uh, relatable to people. Uh, uh, Jupiter can be more uh, empathic. Jupiter can be more sympathetic towards the common man because he has that cancer energy. He is uh, like cancer is very accessible in terms of bodies of water. Then Jupiter is also very accessible and he has the uh, potential to uh, be very good with people. And by the way, he gets exalted, deeply exalted at five degrees. Of, of cancer, just as Mercury gets exalted in the first 15 degrees of Mercury. And afterwards, where do we go? And this is a very, we go to Shukra Deva. Okay, you, to, you want to go to Venus, okay, fine. Oh yes, I'm doing the, the order of the days. And, oh, and okay. you, go to, you go, yeah, yeah, you go to Venus. And what is Venus? The most beautiful woman ever. I call Venus, well, Venus, I'm sorry, Venus is the, uh, uh, the mundane, uh, Council of the king and queen. She uh, counsels the king and queen on uh, mundane aspects, on cultural aspects, on the aspects of the mass. Uh, Jupiter vis-a-vis aspects the king and queen in terms of religion, of philosophy, of the transcendental, right? And in a way, Jupiter is more exoteric, is more ritualistic, is more the church and all that. And Venus is more esoteric. Like she is the Daicha Guru, you know, and she's more of the mass and culture, but she also deals with magic and all these stuff. But in a way, Venus gets exalted uh, in, deeply in 27 degrees of Pisces. And what's Pisces? The ocean. And this was explained to me by a Jyotish, she Jyotishi once. And, you know, Venus is all about pleasure and comfort. In Taurus, you learn the pleasure and comforts of the mouth of food, you learn the pleasures of comfort of, of the face where you get your earrings and your necklace, your jewels, the material things, the stability of it. And in Libra, you learn the pleasures of uh, the uh, pubic region, which is sex, uh, also art, also the interpersonal arts in terms of uh, pleasures. With the pleasures that you, you need other people to experience, Kama, especially there, which is the Purusharta associated with Libra. But what happens when you go to Pisces, which is an ocean? What is it going to do, Venus, there? Well, taking into consideration the Piscean age, the Messiah of the Piscean age, which is Jesus in the Western world, here in Pisces, Venus learns the magic and the power of unconditional love. And, and he, in the ocean, Venus uh, gets to realize the immensity of life, the immensity of, of the power of love. And that's what it happens here in Pisces. Unconditional love. Love for all without conditions. And this is what happens here. Now, the final one, Saturn. Yeah, I, I, I was going to Saturn 
like two three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to you want to say Saturn or, or? No, no. It was like I'm always inclined towards Saturn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're reading a lot about Saturn, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, Saturn is the Shudra. Uh, Saturn sometimes is the last, but in many ways is the first, which is many uh, esoteric things associated with him. But uh, he gets exalted in 20 degrees of Libra deeply in the Rashi of Libra. And what is Libra? Libra is the marketplace. Libra is the stock exchange. Libra, in many ways, is life and death. It is the uh, thing that comes before awakening, which is Scorpio. It is that... uh, transmutation, how you uh, give money and you receive a good uh, uh, about it. The same way the sun dies in Libra when it goes down in the West. Um, And there, uh, Saturn, which is slow, uh, which is not necessarily the most beautiful planet, gets a very useful uh, purpose. He's working there. He works with the merchants. He works with the uh, uh, goods, moving them. And he has a place. And not only that, uh, Libra is the mass and Saturn is the mass. And, 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 you know, the relationship between Saturn and Venus is very obvious because they're both yoga carcass to each other. And, and in Libra, Saturn, and this is weird, but Saturn was going to feel happy. And, and Saturn is never happy. Probably the best way to describe it is that he's going to feel less, uh, Saturnian, <laughs> but there you're going to you're going to pro- you're probably going to see Saturn's teeth. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> and and let me tell you, Saturn is a powerful planet, but he's never happy. But in Libra, he he kind of you know gets it, and and don't be don't be confused. People with exalted Saturns have very difficult uh, childhoods, and as I can as I have read and. And studied and, and seen, and that that upbringing, difficult upbringing, is what turns them into these Saturnian people. You know, these Mahapurusha, right? Like just the yoga says, these great people, because they had the difficulties of, you know, uh, of, of 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 a very Saturnian upbringing in terms of an exalted Saturn. You know, they might have had their parents killed or dead or they moved a lot or they have very difficult childhoods in terms of that they had to work early on different ways and so on and so forth. But Saturn in Libra is a very powerful planet and also can give predisposition for um, uh, religious uh, rituals that might be difficult for other people to do, you know, sacrifice, uh, hard work in terms of uh, self-development and so on and so forth. But yeah, these are the exalted planets. And I do not believe that Rahu and Ketu get exaltation or debilitation. And that is something that some astrologers are going to be, are going to disagree. But, but, you know, for me, they don't have a specific exaltation or debilitation point. Although they, the Rahu does good in Taurus and Gemini and Ketu does good in uh, Scorpio and Sagittarius. And you might say that the Pisces uh, Virgo axis is also good for them. But, you know, Rahu and Ketu do not have uh, dignity. Yeah. I and, said that. <laughs> uh, uh, falling back to Libra, I think Libra is also the sign of union and balance. So uh-huh. Saturn is that planet that, Saturn is a planet that uh, instills the sense of honesty, truthfulness, and uh, uh, menace. 
to to actually uphold uh, righteousness and honesty so and saturn is also the judge mhm so mm-hmm. and that is one more uh, quality where uh, saturn really shines in libra so uh, i have seen uh, quite a bit of uh, advocates and judges with this particular placement where they have saturn in libra mhm so other you, thing you know b- both both my parents have saturn exalted okay brilliant <laughs> yeah and, and uh, as you said i am also quite uh, unsure about the exaltation and debilitation points of uh, the nodes so even i tend to just ignore the exaltation and debilitation points of nodes because i see they do well in wherever you said and uh, the the most important factor that i i associate with the dignity of the nodes is that they 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 kind of tend to snatch the powers from the dispositor exactly or the people who are or the planets uh, they are conjunct with exactly yeah so if ketu is placed in scorpio it relies upon mars and martian uh, strength so if mars is well placed ketu will probably be uh good or bad based upon the house in which it is placed but the strength and the dignity of nodes depend upon the dispositor or the ruler of the house in which they are placed so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. and from here i think we'll move to the uh, second thing that you uh, oh yes you mentioned which is the molatricon molatricon yeah so, as i said uh, uh, you go first yeah so uh, exaltation and molatricon is probably the uh, 75% or 80% of a planet and there is a simple way to remember uh, mula trigona stuff is that uh, all the planets have their mula trigona zones in the male houses that they rule except for mercury and moon exactly so that is the uh, that is that is a way in which we we can easily remember so here i think we fall back where which so maybe you can start like uh, explaining the how the planets can fare in their molatricona zones well as i said before exaltation during a holiday you are in vacation then what is molatricona in molatricona you are basically in a very good state not as good as an exaltation but it's still excellent you are feeling very very good the planet will have 75% of energy to fulfill its agendas and in many ways uh in mulatricona you're basically at, at as as in exaltation you're at the best place at the best moment okay but you're not in a holiday you are in your house okay obviously this is not going to apply uh exactly to the moon but you know let's let's just forget that because they it gets mulatricona in in, a, in taurus from 3 to 30 degrees but basically you're in the best place at the best moment in your house in mulatricona and i mean this is a very good house don't get me wrong this is not a a, sh- a shanty place do you have your your own library you have your mini bar to be with friends you have a surround sound system you have your family there you have your children you have your wife you have everything there's food in the refrigerator i mean it's a very good place because it's your space it's your house you have all your tools at your disposition you're familiar with your space you have uh, uh optic fiber internet you have a very good router you have a very good computer i mean you have everything in your house you're not in a holiday uh 
you don't have servants, you don't have employees giving you massages, giving you facials. But you have more women. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> but you have, you, you're feeling great. And in yeah. Mula Tricona, you, you feel very, very good. I mean, in exaltation, you felt excellent. But in Mula Tricona, you feel very, very good. Okay? So that's an analogy. You can understand how the planet feels. Remember, planet is a person. A Rashi is a space. So you are in your own house with your family, with your things, and you're feeling great. Now, the third one, which is Swakshetra. And uh, a lot of times people don't... I like the word Swakshetra. I don't know why, but okay, I really... Maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll also translate Swakshetra because... <laughs> Uh, so, so some of the people outside India might not necessarily understand Swakshetra. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, this is how I translate it. I'm not, I don't know Sanskrit or I know very little, but Swa is like own or or your, yourself. Correct me if I'm wrong. And well, Shetra... No, we, we don't need to give a literal translation of Swakshetra, but Swakshetra oh, means oh, oh. the place where... Uh, Swakshetra means a sign which that particular planet rules. Exactly. So that is that is not Mulatricona, exactly. Domicile zone of a particular planet. Exactly, domicile, exactly. And uh, in Swakshetra is the third best position in terms of dignity in Vedic astrology. And, you know, in Exaltation, you felt excellent. In uh, Mulatricona, you felt very, very good. In Swakshetra, you, you're still good. You're, you feel very good. Not very, very good, but very good. Just one very Okay, because you're still in the best place at the best moment and you're at your house. But wait a minute, it's not as good as in Mula Trigona. This time you still have your things, you still have food, you still have everything. But maybe there are little things that are not okay. Like maybe the, the internet is buffering a lot, it's not working, but you just go there and you fix it. Uh, maybe uh, you, you have some bills you have to pay, but you have money, you can pay them, no problem, just do that. Uh, maybe you are not with your family. Maybe you live alone. Maybe you're divorced, but you're okay. You know, it, it's the best place at the best moment, but it is not as good as Mulatricona or uh, Exaltation. You're still very good. Like in Swakshetra, you have 50% of energy to fulfill your agendas in terms of planetary responsibilities. So you still have the capacity to deal with things because you're at your own house. You have your things. You have everything going on. It's not as good as uh, Mulatricona or Exaltation because you still have the tools. Now, the fourth best is great uh, friendship or great friends. And here you are still uh, in the best place but it's not the best moment. Maybe it's a good moment because for the first time uh, in this fourth dignity, you are not in your house and you're not in a holiday. You are in another person's house. You are in your best friend's house, okay? Let's say I move to Ashwin's house and he gives me a room and now ah, we're best friends. Yeah, yeah, but remember, I live, I live with my wife. I have my family, so you stay in your room. So there you start seeing that it is the best place, but uh, I mean, I'm sorry, it's a good place and a good moment. It's, it's not the best, okay? So you still have uh, a good relationship with your best friend. Uh, you have your own space. You keep maybe your own room. Uh, your best friend, when I move uh, with you to India, like, I don't know the, the buses. I don't know what's going on. You're going to coach me. Like, you take this, you take that. Uh, don't listen to these guys. They're going to fool you. They're going to steal your money. You're probably going to lend me money. 
and I'm going to learn the place because you're going to help me and you're providing me your house and everything. But at the same time, it's not my house. Limitations. Yeah, you have limitations because you are not the, the king of your house and that's going to bring problems. And in great friendship, you have 36.67% of energy to fulfill your obligations and you're seeing it through this analogy. Why? Because you're not in your house, you don't command, uh, you are, uh, what's the word, you are a, a guest in another person's house and that's going to bring limitations. Now, The fifth one is friendship. I haven't moved with a Shween. Now I move with someone on, on Airbnb. I don't know who this person is. They're going to give me my space. Uh, we, we, we're, we're, and, and, and I know them because I've spoken to them through the internet. And we've, we've spoken before uh, several times. But, you know, he's a friend, but he's not my best friend. So it's going to be like me living with a shrine. I'm going to have my re restrictions or I'm going to have my limitations. I'm going to have my room, but I'm going to have that really good relationship. Like maybe he's going to explain to me the, the, the city and all this, but it's not going to be that good. Maybe he's going to lend me money, but it's going to be like, you know, very little money. In, instead of you giving me, I don't know, 500 rupees, uh, this person is going to give me uh, 50 rupees or something like that. And in a way, Uh, you have more limitations. And in a friendship dignity, the planet only has 25% power to fulfill its planetary agenda. And in friendship, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a good place. It's going to be a, a good moment. But uh, it's not going to be as good as in great friendship because of obvious reasons. Now we move to the last, we can say positive dignity, which is neutral dignity. In neutral dignity... I'm going to move in with someone I contacted on Airbnb and I don't know who he is. I haven't spoken to him through the internet. I don't even know how he looks. But once I get there, I, I see him. He's very cordial, very professional. This is your space. This is uh, your, your home. This is the city. Here's a map. And that's it. I'm not going to have any more contact with him. I mean, he's not my friend, but he's not my enemy. So in a way... In neutral dignity, you have 0% of power to fulfill your planetary agendas. Now, this is not good, but this is not bad at all. And once you learn other techniques like Lagitaria Bashas, you'll see that planets that in neutral dignity might get help from other planets. So this is not the end. Now, in neutral dignity, I mean, you don't have money, but you have a bed. I mean... You, you don't have clean clothes, but you have a safe space. Uh, you feel alone, but you're not necessarily alone. So we're starting to see how these are. You know, these six first dignities, the first one you were in a holiday. The second one you were in a house with your family and all your stuff. The third one you're still in your, your house, but maybe you don't have your family. Maybe some of your stuff is not working, but you're still in your house. Uh, the fourth one, you're in your best friend's house, you're, you're losing, uh, you're limited, but you're in your best friend's house. In the fifth, you are in a friend's house, you have more limitations, you're losing more, but you're still with a friend that's going to help you. And in neutral dignity, you are with a complete unknown person who's cordial, who's professional, who's giving you things, but you know, you're still lacking in many ways. And these are the first six dignities which are positive. Now we go to the last three, which are really bad. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it's really crazy how the percentages go because exaltation is 100%, Mulatricona 75%, uh, Swachetra is 50%, and Great Friendship is 36.67, Friendship is 25%, and Neutral is 0%. But you will see that from enemy to debilitated, it starts with 93.33 negative percent. When a planet is in an enemy dignity, which is the third worst dignity, you are moving with someone you don't like. And at the same time, that host doesn't like you. This is where problems start. You're moving to a place where uh, the person is going to be fighting with you. You're moving to a place where that person is not going to help you with money. He's not going to help you telling you which where to go. He's not going to help you at all. He's just going to tell you, this is your room. These are your keys. I hate you. <laughs> and, and, and that's what enemy dignity is because here you have 93.33 negative percent of energy to fulfill your agendas. You're not going to have the tools needed to fulfill your agendas. That's why uh, negative dignity can be difficult for some things because you are in a bad place at a bad moment. Okay, And in enemy dignity, you're basically moving with someone who's going to make your life difficult. You're going to try to sleep. That person is going to play some music. He's going to play some heavy metal music very loudly. You need money. That person is not going to give you money. He's going to charge you for living with him. You're going to have food stored in the refrigerator. That person is going to eat it while you're sleeping. It's going to be a very difficult existence. And that's what enemy dignity is. Now, The second worst is great enemy. Now you're not moving with someone who hates you. You're moving with your nemesis. This is like Rome moving in with Carthage. This is like Tesla moving in with Edison. This is like uh, a Hitler moving in with Stalin. This is like maybe in an Indian context, uh, maybe uh, Gandhi moving in with uh, Shubhas Chandra Bose. I don't know if, if they're... If they hated each other or, or in terms of history, but, but you know, like some politician, like the, the guy from, the, what was the name of the guy from Pakistan, the, the, in partition, the, the guy who... Muhammad Ali Jinnah. Yeah, and he moving in with, with I don't know, she was Chandra Bose that wanted everybody to be united. I mean, this is like the worst place. No, no I mean, I'm sorry, this is not the worst place. This is a very bad place and a very bad moment. These are people who don't even talk to each other. These are people who are constantly fighting at war. These are people who are going to sabotage you. Because in Great Enemy, you have a 96.67% of negative energy to fulfill your agendas. We're seeing that in Enemy Dignity and in Great Enemy Dignity, you're not going to have the tools to fulfill your agendas. You're basically going to be stripped of the tools to fulfill things in life. This is going to be really bad if you rule, if the planet rules negative aspects in a chart. But this, I mean, positive aspects in a chart. But this is not going to be as bad if it rules negative aspects in a chart, like sickness, like the sixth house, okay? Now, we've seen the first eight dignities. Now we go to the worst one, which is Nietzsche or oh. debilitation, Okay. And in Nietzsche, and we're going to go planet by planet too, as we did with exaltation. In Nietzsche, you're going to get 0%. I mean, we're going to, I'm sorry, 0% positive energy. You're going to hit 100% of negative energy. Just like in exaltation, you got uh, 100% positive energy. In debilitation, you get 100% negative to do your uh, planetary agenda. So the planet is going to be completely discontent, 
incapacitated, needy, because in debilitation, you don't have a house. You're homeless. Yeah. You are living on the streets and refugee. nobody... Yeah, you, you are... I'm sorry? Refugee. Uh-huh, you're a refugee. Yeah, <laughs> you are a refugee. Nobody wants you. Nobody speaks your language. Uh, your religion is weird. I mean, nobody is going to like you. Now there's going to come depression. There's going to come crime. There's going to come drug addiction. And in debilitation, you're in the worst place at the worst moment. I mean, you don't even have a house. You don't have a bed. You don't have clothing. You don't have anything. How is the planet going to deal with things? I mean, you're not, you're not possible. It's not possible. And that's why debilitated planets can be bad. Now, let's go planet by planet. Where does the sun get debilitated? It gets debilitated in 10 degrees of Libra. The king goes to the marketplace. The king goes to where the mass is. It's, it's, it, there you have to survive selling things. You have to work. You have to do a lot of things. But does the king work? Discomforts. Discomforts. Yeah. He's going to have to eradicate his ego. He's going to eradicate his privilege. And he has to relate to the common folk. And this is why sometimes Sun in Libra can be people who uh, sacrifice their own uh, uh, their their uh, own um, preferences for the preferences of others. They might feel sad about it, but that's the way they are. And the king loses its crown in many ways. Where does the moon get debilitated? In the first three degrees of Scorpio, the queen goes to a dark cave in the bottom of a, a mountain there is no luxury there there's nothing there it's just a cave there's no one there with, with who she's going to be with the snakes and uh-huh most infectious insects or reptiles in the world uh-huh and the mind is gonna feel really bad i mean it's it's gonna see like like the 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 myth of Plato of the cave. He's gonna see images in the walls, and he's gonna think my mind is going crazy. And he, she, the queen is not gonna have anyone to speak to. She's not gonna have mirrors to see herself. It's gonna be dark. It's gonna be filled with water, a mud, and and it's dark, and you can't see anything. The queen loses her crown too. Now Mars, the general. This is. I mean, Mars stability is really interesting because I think that people who can manage a Mars debilitation are very strong. But Mars debilitation is a big hurdle. Mars gets debilitated in cancer. The general who's accustomed to killing people, who's accustomed to having war of ordering soldiers, is in a garden. <laughs> Yeah. He's in a garden cutting flowers. He's in a garden picking up vegetables. He's in a garden fishing. I mean, he's going to have a bad time because he's going to be mad about it. He's going to get really mad because he's, it's going to be like the samurai, like the ronin that loses his, his master, his, his uh, uh, lord, and he's going to be depressed. He's going to be bitter about it. Why am I here? I should be killing uh, 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 warriors. I should be at war. In many ways, the warrior loses his armor there. But I've always, I've seen, and this is an analogy I was speaking at the beginning, when Mars in Cancer gets mastered, it's like this uh, Zen warrior who learned that the real war is in the inside and not in the outside. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Debilitated planets are great teachers. 
yeah. they can be very difficult, but they are great teachers in the end. And I, I sometimes uh, use this uh, saying, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and in many ways, dear Mars loses his armor. But I mean, but don't get me wrong. And, and this is also how Nichabanga works, which can be another video. I mean, the planet sees it's debilitated. There's a fall, there's a Nietzsche, but there's an up also because it learns how to deal with it. And we're going to do this after we, I explain all of them. And uh, the fourth, Mercury, the prince, where does it get uh, debilitated? In Pisces, in the ocean. What is the prince going to do with his jokes, his charisma in the middle of the ocean where there's nothing? Exactly. How is he going to describe the, 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 the things that go on in the ocean if he can't see below the, the sea? I mean, there's so much, so much to calculate, so much to write down, so much to think about that Mercury is going to be overwhelmed with the power of the ocean. He's not going to have the ability to calculate, to put into logical thought everything that's going on there. And he's going to feel confused. He's going to feel that he's lost in a daydream. He's going to feel he's lost in the bottom of the ocean with nothing to hold on to. And that's Mercury debilitated. Mercury again, uh, it is exactly opposite to the logical and rational mm -hmm. Virgo, Virgo and Pisces signifies fantasy and dreams. So mm -hmm. what does Mercury have to deal with uh, its own logic and dreams in the middle of the ocean where he can see only fantasy? So yeah. fantasy and logic doesn't, uh, like they don't go hand in hand. So. That is, yeah. that is another way of looking at Mercury's degradation. And you can also explain why it doesn't get along with its father also. <laughs> how it doesn't get it in, along in cancer. Because it doesn't deal with good with the mind and emotions are not... I mean, the, the logical mind and the emotions are not very good. And yeah. you can see this in... I don't know if you like Star Trek, but you can see this with the Vulcans, like with Spock. The logical mind and the emotions, how they always... Ha create problems and yeah and and now we go to Jupiter and I really like this one Jupiter is the Brahman where does it get debilitated in Capricorn in the marshes <laughs> just, just imagine Star Wars imagine yoga in Joda in Dagobah it's this great master that should be in a temple and he's filled with mud He's filled with lizards. He's filled with all these watery things. Like, he's very wise. But what does that wisdom serve you in the marsh, in the swamp where you got to work, where your clothes, your beautiful white robes are going to get dirty with mud? And, and this is what happens with Jupiter in Capricorn. Sometimes people think they're very wise, very... You know, they know everything, but they're working in a marsh. They're working in a place where that's not necessarily what you need. What you need is physical strength. What you need is the ability to construct like Mars does. Now, uh, Jupiter in Capricorn can be a great teacher too. Now we go to Venus. Venus, where does it get debilitated? He gets debilitated in Virgo, where other women are, where other girls are where everything is pristine, where everything is as beautiful as she is. So the logical of beauty is not logical. The logic of beauty is not logical. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And in Virgo, you get a lot of criticism. You get a lot of analysis. And that's going to create self-thought. 
that's got self self doubt i'm sorry that's going to create difficulties in terms of uh relating to pleasure relating to relaxation relating to the luxuries of life and here there's going to be a lot of questions if venus's pisces is unconditional love venus in virgo is conditional love and sometimes that's difficult and at the end we get saturn in aries boom exactly that's a very difficult one the shudra goes to the top of the mountain what is he going to do there there's nothing to do there's not a master to tell him what to do there's nothing to build there's nothing to to work on you just you're just there and and i mean what is going it's it's like taking a, a worker to to a place in the mountains on top what is he going to do he doesn't have the ability to come down from the mountain he doesn't have the ability to to climb up he's just lost there and there's going to be a lot of frustration there because th there is no um there's no other people um there's fire going on there's a volcano erupting you can't run because saturn doesn't run he just walks very slowly and it creates a lot of frustration and uh, as i told you it can be a great teacher also because because let's go backwards saturn in in aries has to teach you a lot about patience a lot about you know uh self work and these are how uh nichavangas work and and so i think it also means getting over your own inferior inferior complex exactly the servant must become a king there like like the son must be like the king in, in terms of the son in libra must become a servant the same way you can use that with jupiter and mars the warrior must become a gardener and uh, the 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 priest must become uh, a worker in terms of that you know in in pisces uh, i mean uh, uh mercury and venus you know uh the almighty uh mercury must the almighty logic must succumb to the logic of the emotions and uh the emotions must succumb to the logic of the ideas in terms of venus and mercury and the moon the moon can be really hard i mean the, the moon in in scorpio you just got to got to you 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 just got to you got to uh, uh embrace the instability like you embrace the stability of stars you got to embrace the instability of stars you got to embrace the instability of of scorpio and this is how uh, nietzsche vangas work i mean we can go on and on but it's it's pretty long already yeah but i think nietzsche vanga is uh, there are actually so many uh, mm -hmm. ex exceptions and uh, deeper uh, understandings and uh, like cancellations of whatever these negative sides of the planet show up. but i think that is for a different session altogether because i think they also come in influence it's not direct planetary dignities but i think they influence or impact planetary dignities in a positive or a negative manner which i think we'll be dealing with in uh, another episode probably uh, very soon so <laughs> so do you have any final summing thoughts like uh, uh fernando has given uh Definitely. planetary dignities and he has categorized into 6 and 3 uh 6 favorable and 3 not so favorable uh listings so would you like to sum up something like that yeah as i said at the beginning 
Uh, dignity, planetary dignity is the basic ABCs. It's the basics. It's something that you're going to use always. Even before you go into yogas, even before you go into like Nichavangas, Uchavangas, Lajitaria, Vashtash, Shopaka, Shatbala, you need dignity. Because all these things I've said, I've learned through dignity. I mean, there's nothing here that, that has to do with complicated calculations or, you know, going to the Vargas, which I, I believe that, that, you know, the Vargas sometimes create more difficulties than they help one. Because Vargas, you need a correct time of birth. And the most complicated thing you can do in astrology is do rectifications. And I don't care if people say, oh, rectifications are easy, this and that. No, they're not. Yeah. Rectifications are very very difficult and you can go to 10 astrologers and the 10 astrologers will give you 10 different times of birth if you want to rectify i mean this this could be a study an academic study in terms of rectifications from astrologers because it's very difficult and that's the the, the my main issue with vargas but dignity there's nothing difficult here you just gotta learn the basics it's like arithmetic one plus one, two, two plus three, five, et cetera, et cetera. And you start doing this and you will see how your readings go. They're going to be great. You're not going to miss out on anything because stick to basics. If you stick to basics, greatness will come eventually because it's like the Saturnian energy, repetition, 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 hard work, hard work, hard work. And at the end, as the saying goes, Saturn never denies, but it takes time. <laughs> Saturn you know. delays, but it doesn't deny. Exactly. Thank you. I, I read it in Spanish. I was translating. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, stick to basics. And I mean, these imageries, these analogies, I made videos on it. They're in Spanish, but I'm going to try to make them eventually in English. So people realize how these work because these are very important, especially when you're starting to learn astrology. Okay, that was a great session, and uh, and if you want to check out Fernando Roll's works, or if you want to get a reading from Fernando, please log on to fernandorollastrology.com. And uh, the other thing is, we'll be we'll be back shortly in uh, another one week with the forecast episode of the lunar month from September seventeenth to October sixteenth. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is probably a new uh, step that uh, we are embarking upon through this podcast and we just wanted to explore how it goes. So that is basically the thing and uh, with regards to the magazine, I think I already gave an update yesterday uh, in the episode 8 of the podcast show. So yeah, I think I think that's it, Fernando. Is it so? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And yeah. thank you, Ashwin. Always a pleasure to share time with you, to share the magic of astrology with everyone. And I hope everyone has learned a little bit about this conversation we've had. Okay. Thank you so much and uh, see you next time. Take care.